So we're talking about relaunching our lives. It's a new season. It's a chance to start afresh. I mean, I even wore my jacket for like 30 minutes this last week. And in this idea of relaunching, it's this idea of, of a rocket that's about to take off. And I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a billionaire. Although I've been told I look a lot like Jeff Bezos. I'm not sure if that's because of how he dresses or the fact that we share the same uh, workout regimen. Not sure. Uh, but, but I did want to just point out that from what I understand, that a rocket cannot get off the ground if it's too weighed down. And there's something that we can take advantage from these last 18 months of just the things that have weighed us down, letting go of those things, those things that have distracted us so that we can focus on what's essential. And we've been looking at that in this series. Each of us needs a place where we can belong. All of us have areas in our life that need healing. Each of us needs to serve. In fact, we need to serve more than others might need our help. And today we're looking at the need within to grow, to make progress. And so I want to look at a passage in which Jesus unlocks an ancient truth. In fact, the scriptures tell us that the prophets and the righteous from long ago just wished they could experience what we can experience. That Jesus revealed for the first time an ancient truth that shows us a new way of looking at life, a new way of organizing the future. See, God's design is that you might become creative, productive, generative, that you and I might grow to become fruitful. So Jesus has this big crowd come out to hear him speak. So he gets into a boat, comes off the shore just a little bit so that he could all see him. And he begins to teach using this parable. And in that parable, he talks about four different types of soils that all represent four different types of people. There's the hardened path. There's the shallow and rocky soil. There's the kind of soil where things grow, but there's also lots of thorns choking the good crops. And then there's the fruitful soil in which lots and lots of fruit grow. And so I want to read the explanation of the parable, and I want you to consider which soil are you? Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, of all the messages Jesus could have shared in that moment with this big crowd, it might surprise you that he went in this direction. I mean, he didn't talk about life and death. He didn't talk about wealth and poverty. Instead, he talked about how you and I have unlimited potential in his kingdom. 
Jesus tells us that in his kingdom, you have unlimited potential. God has greater ideas in mind for our lives than we do. Our fears, our weaknesses, our past mistakes, our regrets, our backgrounds cannot prevent us from experiencing God and from growing and impacting others in dramatic ways when we follow him. See, when we allow God to maximize who we were created to be, we actually experience what Jesus described, this fruitfulness. See, when we apply the principles from this parable, it can actually transform us. So, so which soil were you? Were, were you like the rocky path? Maybe you've been walked on. Maybe you haven't heard from God in a while, or maybe you don't want to. Or maybe you're more like the shallow soil. You, you get really excited about God and at certain seasons of life, but then when circumstances get more difficult or you start to feel differently, you fade away. Or the third is the path with thorns. It's the, the kind where things grow, but there's so much distraction. The deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life actually choke what's growing. Or are you more like the rich and fertile soil where you're bearing fruit, you're experiencing transformation and bringing that transformation to other people? Or maybe you've seen yourself at different places in your life more like one of these than the other. Now, wherever you are, you are invited to become a fruitful person. Wherever you've been, you and I are invited to become a fruitful person. God works in our lives and even helps us trust him. But there are things we must do to really grow. See, we have to trust God, obey God, and make sacrifices to overcome a hardened heart, to overcome a shallow faith, to overcome the temptations that distract us. And when we choose to follow him, it's not always easy. But it's about making progress. It's about taking that next step right in front of you. So what does it mean to be fruitful? Jesus talks about bearing fruit. The writers of the New Testament talk about bearing fruit. What, what they're describing is changes in our lives, positive changes because of the intentional decisions that we make. It's about personal transformation. So Paul, a church planner, is writing to some of those that have started following Jesus. They, they lived in this place called Galatia. And he's writing to them because they were living lives just like before. There was not a lot of transformation. He was trying to call them into that. Listen to what he writes in Galatians 5. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Some of you are thinking that sounds like Rush Week 2012. <laughs> he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, what's happening here is he's, he's explaining there's a, there's a darkness within each of us that even when you decide to follow Jesus, this sinful nature will try to trick you into living the same way you used to live. 
In fact, in another passage, he writes to the Corinthians. He, he has a, a similar list, and he describes it as this. He says, and that is what some of you were. You see, when, when we start to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean we're instantaneously able to overcome all of our struggles. Some of those struggles will require a lifetime of journeying with God and the healing that he can bring. We don't have to clean ourselves up to get to God. He's actually come to us to rescue us. When I was in Los Angeles, a young woman was sharing her story and she read the same passage of scripture, Galatians 5. And and at the end of it, she says, I've done all of these things in the darkness, except for orgies. But other than that, I've done all these things. And I remember all Saul thinking, that's way more than we needed to know, right? But see, what she was describing is the, the life that had been transformed. See, no matter what you've done, no matter what struggles you've had, you can start afresh. That when you say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need what you did on the cross, dying for the sins of humanity. I need that to count for me. I need a new start. And out of that, the gratitude we have for God is what compels us to change. There are things in my life that were such struggles that they moved beyond just being a struggle to almost like part of my identity. I just thought that's who I was. When I was new in walking with God, I, I used some, let's just say, salty language. And I've never been a sailor. <laughs> And it was just such a part of me. Now, now, what's interesting is I was able to not use that kind of language on Sundays at church. But it couldn't seem to not use that language throughout the rest of the week. But what's so amazing is the more I've grown in my walk with God, some of the things I used to struggle with, they're not even temptations anymore. There are some things in your life that are such struggles for you that you, you've made them part of your identity, and he's actually inviting you to a new life in which you will be amazed how it doesn't even tempt you anymore. God has a design for your life that we might become those described as having a fruit of righteousness or the fruit of the Spirit. These are other words describing fruitfulness, a transformation within us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old has gone, the new has come. You see, that sinful nature is still within, but we now have the Spirit of God living within us to guide us to live a new life that we will start to look differently and be different people. Now, how does a tree bear fruit? Have you ever watched a tree bear fruit? It it, it just does it. You've never seen a tree just like pushing really hard and then an apple pops out, right? See, when you and I stay connected to God, it is natural for us just to bear fruit, to become different people, to have the fruit of the Spirit evident within us. The change takes place sometimes instantly in some areas, and in other areas, it takes some time. But God's Spirit within us convicts us and guides us. And sadly, too many people who call themselves Christians aren't actually allowing God to change them. In fact, some of you might be here and you're not even sure about Christianity and it it's really has nothing to do with God or Jesus. It has to do with the people who call themselves Christians. I just recently, I've had conversations with a cousin, with a, with a neighbor, and with a friend, and all of them aren't sure about 
God. They're not sure about Jesus because of what they see on the news about Christians. You see, too often people who call themselves Christians have a different agenda than Jesus. It's a political agenda. And they come across as more judgmental and hypocritical. See, if you follow Jesus, you're supposed to become more like Jesus. And if you're here and you're not sure about God and it's because of what Christians have said and the hypocrisy of Christianity, let me encourage you. Don't allow the evil choices of other people to keep you from the good things that God has for you. Don't allow others to steal from you what God wants to give you. We should not give the worst people in our lives so much power. See, true followers of Jesus actually become more like Jesus. And others see that in us and want what they see in us. Those of us, those around us become interested in God because they see a change in us. Now, it's hard. When you start following Jesus, sometimes your closest friends don't like the changes they see because they needed someone to go with them out to the club. And you're not into that as you used to be. But ultimately, as hard as it might be and as persecuted as you might feel from time to time, in the end, they will be intrigued when they see the difference in you. When they notice you're not as insecure or as proud or as impatient or as immoral as you used to be. Instead, they begin to see the joy and the peace and the kindness flowing through you. So how can we grow to become transformed? How do we bear fruit? Well, there's two things, really. It's about taking personal responsibility, and it's about community. When it comes to taking personal responsibility, there are four characteristics to become fruitful. Now, we won't have time to to dive too deeply into this, but I actually wrote a book all about this. It's called Fruitful, Becoming Who God Created You to Be, which we have available here on campus today only. And if you're online, you can buy the audiobook or the ebook or the paperback on Amazon. But some of you might remember that this all happened when my daughter was moving out of the house and she asked me to write down everything I wished I knew when I had moved out of my parents' house. Well, she was supposed to leave in June of last year, but the pandemic slowed everything down. So instead of writing a letter, I wrote her a book. And I gave her that book a couple days before her flight, and she just wept. And not just because I have written her a book, but because the title was Fruitful. You see, in her renewed walk with God, that was a word that God had given her that became important to her. In fact, it was so important to her, it was part of her Instagram password. You know a word is important to a teenager when it's part of their Instagram password. But see, I didn't just write this book for my daughter and for my son. I didn't just write it for my cousins and their kids or for my nieces and nephews. I wrote it for any of you who are longing to become who God's created you to be. Some of you asked about how my daughter's doing. She's a gap year missionary from our church. We've sent her to Paris to serve with just an amazing family. She's doing great. She's been there six weeks. It's challenging, right? A whole new culture. She's being stretched, but it's really been a great experience. And she's serving with an amazing family, Matthew and Stephanie, Leah and Adam and Ethan, this family that are from Paris, and they've planted a church in Paris, and and we help them in their great work. But I want to just quickly walk through these characteristics of becoming fruitful. It's just taking the four soils and applying it to our lives. So for example, the first soil 
was unreceptive, did not hear the word from God. So we need to become receptive. We need to be willing to hear the voice of God. Now, our next series, we're doing a series called, What is the Bible Good For? And then after that, a series called Angels and Demons. And at the end of these eight weeks, we're doing a Q&A. See, our hope is that you're going to come these next several weeks with all of your struggles and all of your doubts. See, some of you, you're not so sure about God, and it's because of what you think the Bible seems to say. Some of you are following Jesus, but the Bible still intimidates you and feels irrelevant to your life, or you're not sure even how to get started. Others of you spend time in the scriptures all the time, but you're having trouble helping others trust the Bible. See, the the scriptures are actually referred to as God's word to us. In order for us to learn to hear God, the Bible is critical. See, when we spend time in the scriptures, we learn God's character, and, and we're able to discern our thoughts from God's thoughts. You see, when we have thoughts in our mind that require selflessness, require courage, and are consistent with his character, that thought is probably from God, because that's not our normal way of thinking. And here's what's amazing. It's not just through the scriptures that God speaks. God speaks through the spirit that's within us, that still small voice. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says that when you start following Jesus, when you say yes to him, then you now have the mind of Christ to guide you, to direct you. So learning to hear God's voice. See, it's not just that God's not speaking. The problem is often we're not listening or we don't like what we hear him saying. But there's also another way that we can take personal responsibility. It's not only learning to hear God's voice. It's about being tenacious. It's about tenacity, which means not giving up. Even when things get hard, like the shallow soil. It's about overcoming trials in life. When things get tough, you may not know what to do. When you have a relationship with God, you know the one who does. You can trust him. You can trust that somehow he can bring good even out of the most evil things that we experience in our life. That he can work so powerfully and mysteriously in those awful moments. We may not know why something has happened, but we know the one who does, and we can trust him. But there's also intentionality. The the third soil is easily distracted, and so this is about overcoming temptations. Now, I grew up going to church, and I had this idea of Christianity as if it was just this giant don't-do list. That's kind of how I took it. And it usually was don't do all the things I couldn't wait to start doing. But what I began to understand later in life is that I was never explained why the Bible says what it says. You see, the scriptures are actually warning us that there are some things that we have the freedom to do, but in our freedom, they might actually cost us, hurt us, and the people that we love. That God is instead inviting us into a relationship with a better way to live. And that's why at Gateway we say, come as you are, but you don't have to stay that way. See, God loves you just as you are. And as Max Lucado said, an author and pastor out of San Antonio, God loves you just the way you are. In fact, he loves you so much that he refuses to leave you that way. See, there are things in our life, some of us have struggles that just seem to lead us to self-sabotage time after time. God wants to free you from that. 
He wants to help you overcome that. And here's the thing, when you start walking with Jesus, we we might start making progress to only mess up. And it's important to kind of think of that like a relapse. Don't just give up trying. See, sometimes we mess up and we just think, okay, I'm never going to get past this, so I might as well stop trying. No, instead what you try to do is just count that as a relapse and try to go longer before the next relapse. And eventually you'll be amazed when it doesn't even tempt you anymore. But it's also important to remember, it is not a sin to be tempted. Just because you have a thought does not mean you have to act on that thought. It doesn't mean you need to give up. What you do with that thought determines the type of person you'll become. When you have a thought jumping into your head that you do not like, that is from darkness, all you have to do is take that thought captive, surrender it over to God, and replace that thought with what God would want you to think about in renewing your mind. And maybe you're still struggling to get started. If that's you, I would just encourage you, rather than just trying to overcome the same struggle that keeps popping up every new year, instead try to overcome for the sake of someone else. That might be the motivation that you need. I think of my uncle who struggled for years with quitting smoking. He just couldn't seem to quit. But all of a sudden when he had his first child, a little baby boy, immediately he quit and never smoked again. See, he was motivated by a love for someone else rather than being condemned and tricked all the time into this is just who you are. Suddenly he decided he did not want to live that way anymore. See, what I've discovered in my life is if you're not willing to take care of yourself now, you won't be able to take care of others later. And let your motivation come from a place that's deeply spiritual out of gratitude for God. And then the fourth type of soil points us towards being proactive. It's about overcoming selfishness. See, a proactive person doesn't remain a victim no matter what they may face. They don't complain about something they aren't willing to do something about. See, in this fourth soil, it says that the fourth soil is like the person who understood the word. He hears the word and understands it. Now, in the Hebrew mind, you cannot hear God's voice and not obey it. There's a a connection. If you hear, then you obey. Now, we use the same thing. Those of you who are parents, how many of you have ever said to your kids, you're not listening to me? It didn't mean that they physiologically couldn't hear the words coming out of your mouth. It meant they heard it and did nothing about it. The assumption is, if you heard me, you would be doing what I said to do, right? Well, the same is true in our relationship with God, that God is speaking, and are we willing to obey? Are we willing to trust him and move forward with what we hear? Now, that word obey, it kind of throws us off a little bit. It's not a popular word nowadays. It has negative connotations in our society. But I want you to think about obeying God like trusting a friend who's throwing you a surprise party. Have you ever had someone throw you a surprise party? It's always a little bit weird because you, you might be suspicious, but they're asking you to do things that you would normally not do. But you kind of go along with it because it's your birthday, right? Well, when we were get, getting married, it was the night of our rehearsal dinner. My groomsmen, which included three of my college roommates, we lived together three years in college, and my brother, my younger brother, right at the end of the rehearsal dinner, they decided to blindfold me. And then changed my clothes. 
into a blouse and a Hawaiian pair of shorts. And then they tied my hands behind my back and threw me in the back of a car, not the trunk, they're not animals, into the back seat. And then they proceeded to drive off, but they pretended like they got lost and got out of the car to ask for directions only for someone else to jump in the car and steal it and drive off. Now, that's what they wanted me to think. But I recognize the voice of the car thief. There's another friend of mine. See, I, I might have been blindfolded and tied up in the back of a car, but I was willing to go along with it because I trusted these guys. And lo and behold, we ended the night in this crazy drive at a Motel 6 where there were eight of my friends, including my groomsmen, all spending the night in one room. And we spent hour after hour just telling stories, and ultimately, they prayed for me. It was an incredibly meaningful night. See, God is inviting you into an adventure, and there will be steps along the way that do not seem to make sense, but you can trust him. See, it's important to realize that you don't have to understand everything about God in order to start trusting God. Just be willing to take that next right step right in front of you. When we trust God by obeying him, we're expressing our love to him. Actually, it says it like this in the scriptures. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. See, loving God is expressed through trust, through obedience. In fact, God's love language is trust. You guys familiar with love languages? Some of us express and experience love through gifts, some through acts of service, physical touch or quantity or quality time. And it's really valuable to know the people that are closest to you, how they experience love. Because what you don't want to do is to spend a lot of money on a tightwad. They don't like it so much. And what you don't want to do is, is spend lots of time cleaning the house for the person you love when they really just want quality time to be with you. See, the way we express love to God, his love language is that we trust him, that we obey him. See, God is inviting us into a relationship with him that's so transforming us that we represent him well. God's created you on purpose and with a purpose. And what he gives us life after death, which gives us hope, but bringing heaven to earth is what gives us purpose. Everywhere we go, we bring God's spirit with us, a glimpse of heaven everywhere we go. When we allow God to grow us and change us, it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable, but it's exactly what we need. So do you have, uh, have you taken personal responsibility for your growth? Because the other part of this is, is having community in your life. Do you have community right now to help you grow spiritually? I want you to consider what is your next step to relaunch your life? Because if you're disconnected right now, it could very well be connecting with a group, a team, a network, or spiritual running partners. We cannot experience the transformation that God has in mind for us all by ourselves. We need to have others helping us and be part of helping others as well. So during the pandemic as a church, we've simplified our approach to what we do. Let me, let me show you. We call it the clear, simple path. 
Three simple words, inspire, connect, and lead. Inspire, that's what we do when we gather together on Sundays. We come together. No matter where you might be from and no matter where you may be in your journey, you're invited to come and explore God with us and take that next step. There's always a next step where we can trust God more. And just like Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount where there were disciples in the crowd, but there were also people that were unwelcome even in the synagogue and everything in between. That's what it means to inspire, that we have a space to come as we are and be those kind of people in our lives. Well, oh, connect. There are four ways to connect. Grow. There are very intentional life groups that are working through the scriptures using the life group outcomes. Heal, that's where we have recovery groups and restore support groups and classes. Belong, that's where we have community groups and networks that are focused on different affinities like college students or 20-somethings for the anchor or 35-plus or business leaders. It's important to have a place to belong when you live in a city that can be incredibly lonely. And then there are serve. Could be as easy as jumping in and serving on campus or being part of a serve network that feeds the community or the bridging neighbors or serving refugees. Jesus said, when we lose our lives in serving, that's how we find our life. And the scriptures tell us that serving leads to maturity. So we all start in different places, but all of these need to be part of our journey. When I, several years ago at Gateway in South Austin, I've seen this happen with specifically one of our life groups. They're called the Gateway Guys, and they're such so willing to serve that I've referred to them as the backbone of Gateway South. So they created a t-shirt, which in the back has backbone. And they started as a community group, and then they moved towards becoming a life group, where they started spending time in the scriptures, working the outcomes together. But throughout, they would always serve people who were in greatest need. And then there was a season where several of them went into recovery, And then they'd come back into the same group. This is one group giving these men the experiences of all four of these different ways to connect. Or for you, maybe it would be something like jumping in to serve on Sunday as a greeter. And then all of a sudden you get to know other greeters. You you come together as a huddle. You start to hear prayer requests. You you pray for each other. and, And maybe you befriend a couple. And then you end up spending time together going through a support group. Or maybe with one or two others joining a life group together. See, all four of these are important, belonging, healing, serving, and growing. And maybe you're already connected in one of these. Let me challenge you to the next level. The next level is what we call spiritual running partners. Do you have two or three other people that know everything about you and you know everything about them? They're they're people that can help keep you accountable. It's three to five men or three to five women who agree to help each other grow in their relationship with God in a no-perfect-people kind of way. And you may be thinking, well, how do I find a running partner? Well, the easiest way is this: once you're part of a group or a team or a network is just looking for a couple other people that are right about the same pace as you in your journey, maybe a little bit ahead or a little bit behind, and then pray about it, and then ask them, and just try it for a few months, just meeting together, helping each other along the way. Don't overthink it. Don't try to force anything, but God will 
through that, help you grow, just as the running partners is a way of creating the soil and the environment for him to work. If this is something you're interested in doing and you want more resources, you can simply go to gatewaychurch.com slash running partners. And if you've already found some or if you find some, email us at grow at gatewaychurch.com and let us know who your running partners are. If you already have community, then the next level for you is to helping others find what you now have. And you never grow more than when you're helping others grow, which leads to the other way of bearing fruit. It's, it's about transforming others. Bearing fruit means being transformed, but it also means transforming others. We're so moved by God at work in our life, so transformed that now we're a part of helping others find what we've discovered. See, embedded into our spiritual DNA is to go and to make disciples. Jesus' last words to us. To be a part of helping others find what we have found in him. Being his messengers, representing him well everywhere we go. And back to the clear, simple path. This last word, lead, is part of that. It's helping share what you know to those who either don't know God and blessing them or helping those who do know God, mentoring them. Or in, if you grew up in the church, words like evangelism and discipleship. See, there are people that God have put into your life in order to help them take their next step. In fact, I want to do a little exercise with you real quick. I want you to think about the person who had the most impact on you spiritually. I want you just on the count of three to say their name out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Lots of different names. I want you to think about this for a moment. God loves you so much that he brought that person into your life that you might be where you are today. Now, I want you to consider this, that God loves your neighbor so much. He loves your coworker so much. He loves that friend or family member so much that he's put you in their life, that you might be a part of helping them find him. So as we end this series, I want to just remind you to simplify, go back to the basics, get rid of those things that distract and weigh you down, focus on what's most important. God loves you and has intention for your life. He created you on purpose and for purpose that you might experience transformation and bring that transformation to others. Take personal responsibility for your growth. Connect with community. Don't try to do this all on your own. Our broken and unjust world needs you to become the person that God's created you to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that you love us, that in this season, we can start afresh. God, if we've been walking with you for a while, God, would you just give us eyes to see those that we need to be serving, those next steps that you have for us. God, for those of us who have a relationship with you, but we've been wandering or we haven't been as intentional, we've been getting sucked into the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth, God, would you help us to surrender, get rid of those things, to come up with new habits. Maybe, maybe your call for us is just to give up one night of TV a week to create community for others or to jump into community. 
And God, for anyone here, if their next step is just to trust you, they've been trying to understand everything before they move forward, but God, help them realize there's a difference between understanding and trusting. God, help them to say yes to following you even in this moment. Give us the courage to take our next step, to become who you create us to be, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand together. And during this song, I want you to consider God's next step for you.